You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, Earth Station One folks. Welcome to another episode. That's right, folks. We are back and we are going to be talking about the 80th anniversary of Casablanca. That's right. One of the most classic, iconic films, dare say it, in history. And it's, can't believe we've never talked about this one on the podcast before. It's it's just amazing to think about. And it's so just amazing to think about Humphrey Bogart. And it's just everyone in this film is just, you know, so amazing. And Ingrid Bergman just glows throughout this whole movie. It's like she's a shining star through this film. And I am dying to talk about it. And we got a great bunch of folks here to talk about it. Of course, Mr. Fez himself, Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. How's things over at the Blue Parrot, sir? Well, you know, out of all the podcasts on all the networks, I am very, very glad to be appearing on this one. Here's looking at you, kid. Wow. Yeah, be prepared for a lot of this, by the way. Oh, yeah. 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 No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Every other line in this movie is classic and memorable. So we'll we'll see if we can fit them all in. Oh, it's we had a sing along, you know. A kiss is just a kiss. <laughs> it's so it's just like there's just so much great, great stuff in this movie, and it's going to be a blast to talk about it. Let's of of course welcome Dave Chapman is here. Hey, hey, hey! Good to be and here. It is awesome for you to be here, and thank you for behind the scenes. Dave filled in at last minute. He asked, you know, a couple of days ago, it's like, are you, when are you guys going to be talking about it? Are you going to be doing it for the podcast? And we had actually had somebody who couldn't make it tonight. And so I said, Dave, still want to talk about it with five minutes to go before we started recording. Two minutes. All right. Two minutes. <laughs> you, I said, give me five, but you said it was in two. I know. I know. It's okay. I'm here. Right. It's great. I'm thrilled. It's going to be a blast. And, of course, the award-winning author himself, Mr. Bobby Nash, is here. I am shocked, shocked to find that podcasting is going on here. Sir, um, here is your microphone. Oh, thank you very much. So good. Yeah, like Michael said, there's going to be a lot of this tonight. So, yes. yes. Ah, so glad Come to be here. I love this movie. Um, Bobby so, Nash but, coming to us in living technicolor. Yes, I have a little technical difficulty. I can't, I can't make mine black and white. So <laughs> I know. So you got to see folks at home get to see Bobby in color. I am the time us. traveler in the sci-fi version of Castlevania. Oh yes. <laughs> well, you know, Rick was involved with all these different, you know, battles and stuff over the you know years. He might be a time traveler, knowing Never exactly know. when to be. And he it, and he doesn't look like he aged a minute in any of those flashbacks. Oh. And he was a Never snappy knew. dresser, so you know exactly, exactly. Just don't play that song for him. <laughs> That's whatever you do, whatever you do, don't play that song. So, 
We'd, we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please feedback at earthstation1.com. And, you know, if we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, if you want to, as we always like to say, leave feedback. We would love to hear from you guys. Or if you want, like and subscribe. That's the best way people get to know more about us. Our numbers are growing. We've gotten some new subscribers up on YouTube. We are getting more and more downloads of the audio version of the podcast. So it's pretty darn awesome when people are paying attention to us. And, you know, as we always like to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And another way we want to say thank you is to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi is the best place to get a pair of sunglasses. They're located, you know, here in Georgia, but, you know, they ship to the world and they've got some great glasses. They just don't have sunglasses. They have gamer glasses. They got blue light blocking glasses. They also, of course, have safety goggles. They got face shields and each one could be custom made. If you have a prescription like I do, these are newer glasses for me. And you know what? Without them. We can't see Jack. So it's not, it really sucks. But you know what? Sometimes I'd like a good pair of sunglasses and Tifosi Optical will actually take your prescription and put it into your sunglasses for you, which is pretty darn awesome. And a lot of times it's a lot cheaper than going through some of these um, like eyeglass places or such. So it's, it's really cool. And as a way of saying thank you, Tifosi Optical, you can put in the coupon code or station one or ESO network. Both will work and you'll get 10% off your order. Not too shabby. So definitely check it out, tofosioptics.com. All right, Mr. Mike, ready to play it again? Playing to Lisbon. You'd like to be on it. Why? What's in Lisbon? Good clipper to America. You know what this is? Something that even you have never seen. Round up the usual suspects. And search them for stolen documents. May you see your papers? Do something, you must help me! I'd stick my neck out for nobody. There is a man arrived in Casablanca on his way to America. Victor Laszlo. Laszlo? The Nazis have been chasing him all over Europe. Laszlo must never reach America. He stays in Casablanca. I'm a saloon keeper. The problems of the world are not in my department. Why did you come back? To tell me why you ran out on me at the railway station? If you only knew the truth. I wouldn't believe you no matter what you told me. You are our last hope. If you don't help us, Victor Lazar will die. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. In Casablanca, human life's cheap. Play it once, Sam. Play as time goes by. You must remember this A kiss is just a kiss I hate this war so much I don't know what's right any longer I just sometimes wonder if it's worth all this I mean, what you're fighting for Might as well question why we breathe You knew how much I loved you how much I still loved you. He's looking at you, kid.
we'll play it for the first time and then we'll see if we have to do it again. Oh, with our show, we usually have to do it two or three times. <laughs> yeah. And you know, true. <laughs> if, if if you're listening in the audience, every time we quote a line from the movie, if you take a shot, you'll be plastered here in about five minutes. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you probably already are. Yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there, even though it's celebrating its 80-year anniversary this year. Um, we are going to spoil it. So if you have not seen it yet, uh, you know, and you want to, you've been hiding say, under a rock. <laughs> I see. I, I I definitely recommend watching it and then, uh, enjoy the fun. Cause we're going to talk all about it and its legacy. Um, like I said, it's, <laughs> it's a 1942 year old movie yet. It's 80 years old. How does that work? Well, um, it was supposed to be wide released in January of, of uh, 1943, but, uh, because of the, uh, North African invasion, by the allies it uh it was pushed up because it was thinking it was relevant casablanca was in the news so um so it was pushed back it was pushed up the release to november of 1942 and but then it did it did release wide in january so a lot of people see january date as the actual release date uh the anniversary is there so that's where we get the 80 years from uh and as it happens this year warner brothers the studio involved is celebrating its 100 year anniversary this year so um i know that tcm and warner brothers has a lot of things planned uh for the celebration including i think they're going to re-release this on the big screen in certain markets so look for that if you get a chance march 5th and march 8th i believe there you go. So if you have a chance to see this on the big screen, I uh, I recommend it. Although Body I have just a cav- keep. <laughs> I have a I have a caveat with that, but I I'll talk about that later maybe. Um anyway, um but oddly enough when the movie was released, it was kind of lackluster. Uh critics didn't love it. And uh box office wise, it did okay. Now, considering that the nation was at war at the time. <laughs> I mean, all all things are skewed here, um, but obviously this is a movie that, uh, well, I, I do say, like, uh, looking at the numbers here, um, it earned $3.7 million on its release. Now, the equivalent of that in, in, in 2021 terms would be about $49 million. Uh, the 50th anniversary release, re-release, which I watched on the big screen, granted $1.5 million, um, which is pretty solid. Um, you know, it it's done okay since then uh, because it's been, you know, it's one of those movies that definitely um, uh, got uh, got more popular because of TV, because it was shown on TV and uh, and on a video and everything else. So it's uh, it's definitely curious to to see where everybody discovers this movie. To be honest with you, I have no memory of watching this for the first time. I know it was early. I don't know if I rented it, saw it on TV, have no memory. But I know that I've seen it several times. It is one of my favorite movies. I I dare say that I consider it one of those perfect movies. But I'm kind of curious as to you guys. um, Bobby, we'll start with you. When did you first see Casablanca? Do you remember that? I I honestly don't. It was probably, as a kid, it was probably one of those Sunday night movies on one of the networks. You know, because those were a big deal when I was a kid, you know, Sunday night, there was this big movie on, you know, we had dinner, the family gathered in the living room and we watched a movie together. Um, So it was probably that. But like you, I don't have a specific memory of seeing it for the first time. I know I've I know it had to be on TV because I've never seen it on the big screen. So. 
Well, sure, that's your only option. Then. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and so. it's a movie that that doesn't detract from from being on TV because the the ratio that was filmed at mm-hmm. uh, that was shown at not widescreen, not Panavision, not anything like that. So it actually mm-hmm. is is one of those that you don't miss too much when it's on right. on the television screen. Uh, Dave, what about you? Do you have a an early memory with Casablanca? I honestly think I may have seen the Marx Brothers first. One <laughs> night, I, I honestly, yeah, and I, exactly. And I'm like, I I don't remember. I don't even remember when I bought the DVDs. I was looking for it before. All I could find was my Maltese Falcon, and I feel like I got it at the same time. This was, and I have no idea what. Yeah, this was 2006. It looks like this release. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's I got the DVD around then, but as far as the first time I saw it. I have no idea. It's just kind of, it's one of those things that it's just there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For for most people. I'm sure you get to an age limit at the bottom there where it's like, huh? But for so many people, I think it's just so in the, in the zeitgeist of the, of our pop culture that it's. Oh yeah. Everybody. Even people who've never seen it know the lines. Yeah. Exactly. They don't know why they know the lines, yeah. but oh, it's because it's been also parodied yes. so many different sure. places. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's kind of like you know, for us when we saw Animal House, you know, it was groundbreaking. But for people nowadays, it's been parodied so much, mm-hmm. and everything. If they go back to look at the original, they're going, "Oh, that's where it came from," and stuff. It's or the like that. they copied. They've copied. The, uh, copied this other movie. <laughs> Like people, yeah, exactly. people see Flash Gordon and think, "Oh, Star Wars!" You know, this, they copied <laughs> Star Wars. Well, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the so, original Flash, but not the the big movie. The, yeah. But Mike, do you yeah. have an early memory watching this? Or the first time I saw it, I was probably about seven or eight years old, and watched it with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was huge into silent films into 1920s 1930s movies and 1940s of course and you know casablanca was right up there with watching maltese falcon watching the marx brothers abbott and costello charlie chaplin buster keaton all these movies that were that came out in that era was just groundbreaking and it was eye-opening and that showed my love for film and part of that was just amazing for me to be able to you know grow with it and see you know get into the histories with it and that's what made me study film and animation and such when I was in college get to watch a history of film and get to write a paper about the background behind this movie what they had what they went through to make it and everything it was just it was just awesome yeah, and talking about that for a second, um, when Warner Brothers made Casablanca, it, they did not think it was like they, it was just another just another thing off the factory, right? Like uh, they were just churning out movies. Now they put a list talent on it, and they certainly put one of their best directors on it, Michael Curtiz, who is responsible for many, many, many classic movies. But they this was they did not expect this to be like the big deal, the classic that it's become. They did not expect, uh, but so they just sort of made the movie uh, going behind the scenes. There's a lot of like little stories about it. Why do you think? And Dave, we'll start with you. Why do you think? that this movie that Warner Brothers just kind of churned out from the studio system, like they were churning out a bunch of movies every year. 
Why do you think this one really like like everything like lightning struck and everything was just perfectly laid out on this one? I mean, the cast for one thing. There's just so many iconic actors. You know, Sidney Green Street, Peter Laurie, it, all of these amazing people. And they did, you know, some of them were together on Maltese Falcon. Mm-hmm. Um, like they've they've done other work together, so they were very cognizant of what each other does, and that shows that that kind of chemistry is there, um, and that shows more. Really, they're also just amazing actors. There's chemistry no matter what they do, but definitely, the chemistry is just off the charts. Every little bit. Um, I think just the, the, the foreign, you know, the, the wonder that is Casablanca, like you said, it was in the news. Everyone's wondering, Oh, what is, you know, where is this place? This is this place called exactly. Yeah. And it, and it, I know it didn't do stellar off the mark, but you know, coming back to it, that's that, that's it. It won best pick. It won best picture that year. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. It won Best Picture, and uh, the, the the screenwriters got Best Adaptation Oscars. So it was recognized for being a great work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Warner Brothers pushed it as much uh, for the Academy Awards, that's for sure, because they knew what they had. Um, at the time, Bergman was uh, – she had done some movies, but she was not, like, a superstar. Um, Bogart was just coming off of, like, Maltese Falcon and a couple other movies. So he was being recognized as a starring player a leading man uh paul heinreid had done some work so he was obviously there but you have it's interesting you have a cast of uh 22 speaking parts and only three of them were born in the united states and that's uh bogart dooley wilson and joy page so you've got this international cast of amazing actors some of which were fleeing from Nazi Germany. So they knew exactly what the subject was when they were like for the characters. Um, They could relate big time. Um, And so you have these, uh, and they're all like a lot of them are in the studio system. So as they pointed out, they're used to working together. They, they know each other. They hang out at the cantina. Like they, everybody like, like knows each other, even if they haven't worked together, everybody's, I mean, Warner Brothers is one big happy factory family, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it you could say out. that <laughs> exactly well you know jack could be kind of well jack but uh anyway um uh but yes you guys mentioned the characters and and we have to start with bogart right um i don't know what you guys' history is with bogart i am a big bogart fan uh i think he's fascinating as an actor i think he's uh and in, th- in this he shows i think some of the most the widest range of his career at this point uh, because he'd always played mob guys, bad guys. And then he goes into um, Maltese Falcon and he plays a private detective and, and he's, and you know, he's kind of hard nosed there too. But in this one, he gets to play a romantic lead and it's really kind of a stretch for him. I think uh, was, what was your exposure, Bobby, to Bogart? Um, was this like the first time or had you been familiar with him? Pretty much? It was either this or Maltese Falcon. Those were the two. When I was a kid, that's where I knew him from. Or, as we mentioned earlier, the multiple parodies of Bogart, you know, Mm -hmm. to where I think I saw those first. And then when I when I saw movies that he was in, it's like, oh, okay, that guy, that's (laughs) where they got it from. (laughs) Yeah, I get that reference. That's where it came from. Mm -hmm. Um, Good old Peter Brady. Yeah, yeah. It's, (laughs) you know, 
because yeah, because this is a story too that has been parodied and uh, adapted into multiple forms. You know, the Muppets have done you know like Casablanca skits. You know, oh yeah, so you very see, much so, yeah. so so even when I watched this movie the first time, I was familiar with it without realizing I was familiar with it. Um, but but you're right. I, I think Bogart really uh, straddles the line of he's not quite good. He's not quite bad. He's somewhere in the middle and he, and the pendulum kind of goes back and forth um, to where there are moments the first time I watched it where I was not, I was not, I was surprised when he put her on the plane with him mm. that I expected, no, he made this deal because he wants the girl. So the you know so there's moments where I believe that he could be that guy too, that and I oh, believe yeah. him when he Very says easy. yeah yeah that I I look out for my neck you know that's the mm-hmm. only and I stick my neck out for no one and and you believe that because of how they've played him to that point so yeah so Are seeing you? him stretch seeing the the flashbacks where he's a happy guy in love mm-hmm. you know in Paris it's different than how he is throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's true. But but then oh, you also so. but yeah, but you also buy that heartbreak when he's there with Sam and he's drinking and he makes Sam play the song again. And uh in one of in one of those things where people misquote the line so often, but oh, yeah. <laughs> he he has Sam play the song and he just goes in, while he's drinking you feel that heartache. He really sells it there. Mm-hmm. Well, you literally see his heart break when he gets on the train. Mhm. He mm-hmm. plays that really yeah. well. Yeah, you know how it's raining at the time, so you can't see his, you know, Bogart crying. Like they, yeah. they, they're still not really sure they want to have Bogart crying on screen, but, so they have it rain, yeah. so it kind of like his tears mix in yeah. with the rain. But oh my God, exactly. is that not a beautiful effect though of watching the watching the ink smear mm-hmm. as oh, the water yeah. hits it? That is a just an absolutely beautiful effect. Well, hey, what you, about you? What you, about? I'm sorry, Mike. You, oh no, I was just gonna say you're looking at that scene, and you partly think, is that tears or is mm-hmm. that the rain that's doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and it's washing exactly. the way the last thing he has of her. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. Dave, what are you, what are your thoughts about Bogart, especially in this? I I mean, in this, he's he's great. He is. I've lis- I actually listened to a lot of this stuff on radio because they did a lot of radio adaptations of some of these yes. movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, you know, Bogart is not known for being a, a radio actor, but he did come back. Um, they would often bring the cast members back to do these, as many of these as they could. And, and Casablanca was one of them, uh, as was Maltese Falcon. And he's he's just got, and I, 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 hate to, I hate to use that word iconic every time I open my mouth, but it still fits. Like he, he is this iconic voice he has this 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 the features everything about him is just fits you know it's him even if you don't know it's him or you know someone's doing him even if you don't realize that's what they're doing because it is just so there mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just he is copy- not parodying himself right no, no. But but this is also this movie kind of becomes the look that he's known for because mm-hmm. anytime he is parodied or you see people doing art of him, he's in that 
Rick's, the suit that he wears in Rick's. Yeah, the that, suits yeah. or, well, the, or, the, he's, or he's in the trench coat. Yeah. The trench coat and the fedora, fedora comes yeah. from comes from Monty's Falcon. Sure, but, 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 but it, you it, see it, him, it yeah. carries over into this. I mean, he's wearing, you know, he's wearing that kind of outfit mm-hmm. here. They know how to stylize him at this point, right? They know yeah, how yeah. what makes him look good. Mm-hmm. And he look and I don't know, I can't remember if it happens before this, but I mean, he looks damn good in a tux too. Yes, he does. That's true. So, I mean, he can wear that Darn pretty him. well. Darn him. What's that? Darn him. You know? <laughs> Why can't I look that good? Yeah, no. But but he uh, also he also when he enters the cafe, when he walks into the room, I mean he owns it. He owns that space. He looks like he's in charge just from the way he carries himself. That Oh, and it's almost like the people part when he yeah. Well, Curtis does this, an amazing job when he's introduced that first time you see him, you get like a, this shot, like it's like, here he is, like, and you hear about him mm-hmm. before you see him. It's really a great way to introduce him. And and also, okay. I love the fact, too, that the first time we see Rick, he's playing chess against himself, yep. which tells you this guy's a planner. This guy <laughs> is planning his moves. He's planning three or four moves ahead, which really informs the movie once you realize what he's doing in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just brilliant. I mean, I and can study could... the script for this. Just Oh, lost. exactly. Well, he's playing everybody mm-hmm. in this movie mm-hmm. and, you know, and seeing her basically throws him for the total loop Oh yeah, and, and it throws him completely off his game. And he's trying to regain his composure through the second half of this movie. And, <laughs> and it... you're, and you're trying to guess what he's going to be doing. Like you said, Bobby, is he going to get on the plane with Ingrid Bergman, you know, mm-hmm. and everything? Cause you fully expect him to. And then he, he pulls the switcheroo and then he ends up shooting the Nazi, which was awesome. Yeah. And know? it's, and it probably doesn't help Rick either that while he is caught off guard, Captain Renault is there commenting on it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like just, you know, twisting it, in, you know, Oh, Captain Renault is like the the person you do not want whispering in your ear the whole time, and he's it's such he's such a great. He's like character. the bad. He's like the devil mm. yeah. icon, right? Yeah, but you have to love him. He's such yeah. a great character. But yeah, but he is not a good guy. Even though no. at the end he he and Rick have a bit of a you know a that buddy relationship. Come to, come to yeah, but. To, but yeah, he is him. not a he. Renault is not a good guy. He's trading sexual favors for with teenage girls for exit papers, and yep. yeah, he is. You know, following and he goes wherever the wind blows. Yeah, he's going to follow yeah. the mm-hmm. drunk girl home because well, she's you know Rick dumped her. I get a shot. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, he yeah, and he was seeing you know literally you know he had no love for the Nazis, but he was you know sucking up to them because they were in charge and he knew that's where his bread was going to be buttered for the next couple of years at least oh yeah if if, right. if they had invade if they had taken over like if they had moved in and, and taken Casablanca you know he wanted to make sure he wasn't going to end up in a cell you or know, in a concentration he, camp. yeah I was going to say like let's let's yeah. be clear here if you know you just can't go okay I quit and then move on to something else <laughs> uh no if you disagree with the powers that be in Casablanca you will be uh dead is probably the best thing can, that can happen to you <laughs> shot quickly yeah, yeah. Well, shot yeah. quickly look, yeah look what happened to peter Laurie's character mm-hmm. you know sure. he supposedly tried to escape you know 
well, using you beginning. know air quotes on it. Yeah, the guy. Yeah. At the very beginning, at the very beginning, I think the narration says that life is very cheap in Casablanca, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly we see that play out. Um, and uh, um, but yeah, let's talk about um, uh, Mike. You mentioned that uh, you know he's he's got everything in, in control until she walks in, right? Like so, let's talk about uh, Ilsa. Uh, played uh, marvelously by Ingrid Bergman. Um, Dave, what's the attraction with Ingrid Bergman? <laughs> we're, 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 she's iconic. <laughs> it's like you've seen her, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that. That's, she that's, glows that's through this question. whole movie. She is so freaking yeah. beautiful, and she she is perfect in this movie. Yeah, she is. You know, she she's radiant. And, you know, even in the scenes that are dark, she glows in these scenes. And that's what's just amazing about Ingrid Bergman in this character, in this movie. And I think that establishes her going forward from this movie with everything she did. Mm -hmm. Ingrid plays, I find in her, in, in her repertoire, um, she plays like women that are compromised. Let's put it that way. Very well. And that the fact that they're they're not really victims, but they're also they don't they struggle to be in control. Like, I mean, she's obviously in a man's world. She's the main woman, you know, female character in this. There's others, but they're just treated like, you know, uh, well, they're not treated very well. Let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, it could be argued that Ilsa has no agency in this, but um but she does, I think, and right away she she's torn. She's torn. Um, obviously, the wounds of that parting in Paris um, have affected both of them to such a degree, degree that you can see it on both of their faces when she returns um, and when she sees Sam. And when she asks him to play the song and he's like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, yeah, you do. Let me hum it. And she hums it. And then. You know, Sam starts playing it and Rick comes bursting in like, I told you never to. And then he sees her. And man, if that's not a moment uh, that that gets you right there, like, I don't know what you're doing watching movies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I I get what you're saying about her having no agency, but her character is so instrumental to the plot. Had, yes. had Laszlo come alone, Laszlo right. would have ended up with the Germans. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Rick does what he does because of Ilsa. Oh, of course. So, so, yeah. But I also like, too, like you said, she's not the damsel in distress through all this. The clingy wine, you know, she, you know, she's willing to, you know, pull a gun on Rick. She's willing to, she's willing to do whatever to save her husband. Um, And I think that that really informs a lot of her character, you know. And but yeah, her her being there is instrumental in making Rick make the decisions that he does. She's also instrumental in what Laszlo's doing. Like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even though Victor's a great man, even he admits I I couldn't do it without her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he leans on her, and it's not really a romantic love relationship, but yet it's a it's one of necessity and because of the way things are in the world at this point you can't just you can't just ignore that mm-hmm. you can't just be selfish and go like i want to just hook up with this woman because 
there are things going on in the world that just make that not matter. Yeah. Right. Well, I also, I also like to the way that they write this, you know, in the hands of a lesser writer and director, Laszlo and Rick would have had, the, would have been more of a jealous, you know, trying to one up each other. And that's, I think that would have diminished the movie that Rick understands what Laszlo is doing and to a point supports what Laszlo is doing because, you know, because they hint at it a lot that, you know, before, you know, before Paris, Rick was like Laszlo. He was fighting for something. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, that that near the end of the movie, it's like, welcome back to the fight, you know, and so, you know, there's a lot of that that kind of awakens that in in Rick. So there's not, you know, also awakens that in Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't well, think Rick uh, goes back into the fight without seeing her. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Rick would have just kept his nose clean the whole in stayed at the club, and you know just remained completely impartial to everything. And Victor's not stupid; he knows what's going on right from the beginning. I think the more I watch it, the more I'm like, right from when they enter and they see each other for the first time, I think Rick, I think Victor's like, yeah, these two. Yeah, are you can yeah. you can and tell this, when this people could get have messy. chemistry just by walking in the room and everything. And there was like it was like, you know, it hit literally as soon as he saw her. Yeah, and and you know, Laszlo saying mm-hmm. no explanations are needed. You know, and because he understands, you know, because <laughs> and and he and he yeah yeah because because Rick basically goes. Yeah, she came over yeah. to sleep with me, and <laughs> I let her pretend. Like I like, I'm like, are you saying like, are you saying what I think you're saying? You're like, oh yeah, he's saying. And Les was like, I understand. <laughs> no, you don't have to go any more detail than that, buddy. <laughs> I got the picture. Yeah, I need those papers, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really need those papers, Rick. Take her; she's yours. <laughs> Um, one thing I want to mention, because we've all mentioned it uh, over and over about parodies and how, like, when you watch this, it's kind of like one of those things that, I mean, everybody knows it's in the pop culture. Still, though, at least for me, when I watch Casablanca, it still manages to hold up. It still manages to rise above all of that. Dave, I see you nodding. Why do you think that is? Why, when you go watch it, is it just like, like when you watch it now, why isn't like, oh, it just seems so like it's cliche now. But why does it why does it Part still because hold up? That's why it's the cliche. It is <laughs> the start almost the start of that. It's not entirely the start of that, but really it is. When that is what you're seeing anytime anybody at this point is doing any sort of hard boiled detective or expat um you know bar owner type thing it's all comes back to casablanca and the biggest version of that being the movie it has every everything it's got the looks it's got the the feel and it's it's got just enough hokey that you know what it's there like you but it's not over the top it's just kind of a very subtle yeah we know what this movie is when this movie is it fits it doesn't try to be something it's not um, like the entire mm-hmm. movie minus the airport was done, in, you know, in studio. It was all the, the Paris stuff is all yeah. stock. So yeah. yeah, it's all, you know, 
the stock footage of Paris. But and most of the sets were reused. I think Rick's was yeah. the only one that they built. Everything else they oh, reused sure. from other productions because it was this. They were doing them. They were doing all this all this on the cheap because it was the war going on. You couldn't just spend. And this was not an AA no. epic movie that they were making. They thought this was just right. another. But it was thing interesting too out. because Rick's was a character on its own. Oh yeah. And yes. that is such an amazing club and the back room with the gambling and everything. What? There's gambling here? I didn't know that. <laughs> Your winnings, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, it's, it's just awesome. The fact that we yeah, when we go through Rick's, when the camera goes through mm-hmm. Rick's, we're getting snippets of conversation that have nothing to do. With our main, with the plot. main plot, no. But oh and my God, they're fascinating. There's so many, there's so many tales in this club. Mm-hmm. You could do movies after movie after movie on so many different people in this club. Oh yeah, and that's absolutely. what was just amazing from it, and that's what makes the story so rich. Mm-hmm. Is you have something like that, and it's believable. That that's what also makes it. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of. The, I think a lot of archetypes, yeah. like like Dan was saying, the tropes for the we we get a lot of archetypes in this movie that later people go, ooh, okay, we need the sniveling pickpocket, ooh, we need you know, ooh, we need the lovable <laughs> the lovable uh, bartender waiter, you know, ooh, we yeah. need the smart you know, we we grab these people because we've seen in this movie it works, mm-hmm. but I also and I think, loved oh, I also but I sorry Bobby I loved in the club that everyone respected rick yes too and everyone who worked for yeah well everyone who worked that's true but everyone (laughs) who worked for him you know you didn't have anyone who was going to backstab him Mm -hmm. or anything they all like yes sir mr rick yes sir you know and it's just like because he was because he was even though he was hurt and he was still suffering from the wounds of paris he was still fair he still treated everybody fairly. Um, and, uh, you know, he had done some things, sure. But um, you get you get the feeling that he wasn't at heart a bad no. guy. No, and he had so many different, his hand in so many different things, too. You know, and it was just amazing to see, you know, and he had all his people doing the work for him. So none of it could be pinned on him, too. Yeah, but he was not interested in any underground movements, any political movements, Mm-mm. any war stuff. He was not up for any of that stuff. He was like, don't tell me. You can do what you need to do. Just don't tell me. I, yeah, I, exactly. I'm just a businessman. Yeah. I well, stick I my neck out for nothing. Go ahead, Bobby. Oh, let's say one of the things, too, when you look at when you look at this movie through the lens of 80 years later, if somebody had made this movie, they didn't make a period piece. Had you have made a period piece set during World War II, there would be a lot of allusions to how it turns out. When they're making this movie, they have no idea how the war is going to end because the war is still happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. You know, there's still a few years of World War II to go. So, oh, yeah. So there are none of those things that if you made it, you know, if you made one a movie today set during World War II that, you know, tongue in cheek of we already know who wins so we can pepper it with these things, that's not there. But they still write it in a way that those characters are fully realized. I buy the Nazis here as what I what how history has shown the Nazis. That oh, sure. And you even had the Nazis being the bad guys mm-hmm. in it, you know. 
because you know oh, for yeah. all they knew the nazis could have been won the war yeah. or something but you know they were still the bad guys and everything mm -hmm. and it was real interesting especially watching it this time because when he was rick was saying it's december 1941 and it's like wait a minute <laughs> that's when u.s got into the war and everything and so yeah yeah i mean i think he says that right i think my understanding is yeah. it's right before right. pearl harbor because because he says he says uh it's december 1941 what time is whatever what time is in new york i bet they're still all asleep there and i think he's thinking like the world is going crazy but in new york they don't care. They're still asleep. They're not mm -hmm. involved with this yet. So I think this is this happens on the very brink of the U.S. being. Yeah, because all the talk of of the United States in this is all about that's the safe place to be. Everyone wanted to yeah. get to through Lisbon wanted to get to the United States. Yeah, because that there's no fighting there. The war hasn't touched that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. this movie, had they made it a year later, would have been a whole different bit of plot. Oh, yeah. sure. Of course. You know. And it was interesting yeah. because they were even trying to bait Rick a couple of times. You know, what would they do, you do if they bombed London? What would you do if they bombed New York? I yeah. love his response like, to the New York like, question. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of neighborhoods that <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to get into, which is awesome. Something that... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like something that kind of ahead. sticks in my head watching this movie and watching anything else war era. They don't have the same feeling. You almost forget 80 years later, you forget that these are taking place at the same time to other than looking right at the plot. Like if you just look at everything else, you think, "Oh, World War II." You think Pearl Harbor, you think you think a very specific set of visions when when you think World War II that this isn't it, it is that little pocket of yes the war is happening but the, not really right here but kind of is it's the war but the or the war is yeah. happening no, but it's no, just not it. um, there in casablanca yeah. or it's not in the united states yet because the yeah. u.s is involved but it's been going on world war ii has already been running for two years yeah. at this point since pol germany invaded poland in 1939 and it was you know yeah. there was just so much happening already because russia was getting involved and england was already involved and of course france had already been invaded by this point and everything so yeah we're not seeing actual footage of uh the violence of war in this but yet i think because it was filmed at the time when the war was going on as Bobby mentioned, uh, that you do get the sense, and Dave too, that you mentioned that, um, like, you can just feel it here because the characters are running around. It's chaos. They're they're freaking out about the Nazis and everything like that. The Nazis are coming, and and there's this impending doom that when you when movies are made about the war now, it's all like we won. So you, it's it's from that perspective, and it permeates that movie. Whereas movies like this that were made during the war, yeah. they don't know that yet. And there's this sense of there's this cloud of danger, this atmosphere, even in a movie like this, which is basically a romance drama that um, 
It's not noir, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's black and white people, this is not mm-hmm. a film noir. By no means. Let's, this let's is get no, that straight. Yeah. Just because Humphrey Bogart's in it doesn't mean it's noir. But it's still, um, you know, it still permeates this movie, I think, because you just feel like, like I said, the actors are going by the fact that they, some of them just escaped Nazi Germany and, and made it over here to work. And, and, and they know what it's like. And it's, we just don't have that. We don't have that context yeah. because we haven't well, there, been in there that. There was a real fear. There was, there was a real fear yeah. of them coming into your house and just taking you, you know, mm-hmm. and that, oh, and like you so. said, yeah, most of the actors were, not, were from places where that was really happening. So I'm sure that informed their performances, but when people watch the movie, even people in America, that was still what you hear. You know, you hear the propaganda, you know, this, they're going right. to come, they're going to go into your house. They take people and in the dark. They, let's you know. say something real quick. Also, when they were saying in this movie, concentration camps, it, it was not related to the Jewish concentration camps right. where they were, all, they, these were the prison camps. Right. Mm-hmm. These were, this was just the prison camps. This was not the death camps. Cause we did not, they didn't find out about these till like three years later. Right. And, until they discovered that right. horror. Yeah. So these were, these were saying, still very bad places, but yes, they were yeah. not the gas chambers. Yeah. They're, exactly. Yeah. They weren't the gas chambers or the work camps or people being shot in the, in the, in the ditches and stuff. No, it was not that at all. It was, this was being just related. These were work camps. These were prisons that they were just calling concentration camps. So I had to explain that to Judy. So I was like, Oh, they knew about that already. I was like, no, no, no. No. <laughs> no. And so it was it was real interesting with that. And it was also, you know, you like you guys were saying, people were like all on edge because you didn't know what was going on. But the scene in the bar, the battle I called it the battle of the bands, which was amazing <laughs> right. scene and everything. When the Nazis were in there singing the the battle hymn, and then when they played the the French anthem. And everyone in the bar, like, literally started singing. And it was just awesome to see because it showed pride and nationalism at its best. And even, a you know, because you had a lot of refugees from France in Casablanca. And they were showing, you know, hey, we're going to stand up to this and everything. And it was really awesome. This is way before... France was liberated. So this was mm-hmm. just yeah. pretty I mean, that's it's it's a great protest moment. Oh yeah. It's it's them standing up mm-hmm. and going like, Look, I know you're the bad guys are right there. These are the guys mm-hmm. that want us dead. You know, I can't say that F them, you know. <laughs> that's yeah. you know um, Fudge them. <laughs> Fudge them. Yeah, yeah. Bleep them. <laughs> so yeah i know the guy who's the editor for this so it's okay (laughs) (laughs) but there's that too again it's one of those things where they film it well because we really do get that nice shot on laszlo and the pride Mm -hmm. and the power as he is like Mm -hmm. pumping up everybody to you know there's a lot of good stuff there and it's nuanced performances because they don't tell us they're not they're not explaining what they're doing they're just doing it and we get it yeah, visually and audio-wise, you can see that they the 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 Nazis are you know they're turning tail and well then they yep. then they resort to what they always mm-hmm. do, which is violence and strong arm tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> shut this place down. Mm-hmm. Yep, shut this place I down. I can't sing That's my it. song. You Nobody know. can sing their uh, song. You, 
you guys you guys have had your fun yeah go to bed um, you're closing me on what charges right, so there's we found out there's gambling here sir uh, classic movie um warner brothers has never saw fit to uh bless us with Thank a sequel God. Um, there was a uh, there was a 1983 attempt at a TV series with David Soul and uh, Hector Alonso, a prequel series. Um, I have not seen it, and I have no urge to. Um, but uh, is that? Do you guys think that this is something that should just stand, or you know, are you open to any sort of remake, reboot, or anything? You know, I'd rather see that story? two steps removed. Because there was sort of one in Rocky Jordan on the radio. Hmm. But Rocky, Rocky Jordan hmm. is okay. a, a, an American expat, this time in Cairo, with a police captain as his foil. It's a very Casablanca setup mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. And it is the same thing. thing. You go in and, oh, look, here's these stories around the, the, the Cafe Tambourine. Mm-hmm. It is Casablanca, just not in Casablanca. So I'd rather see that get remade and be two steps removed than actually Casablanca itself or a sequel to Casablanca itself. Yeah, just kind of use the the basic plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I saw back in probably early 90s, we went to Manhattan and off Broadway, they were doing a play of Everybody Comes to Rick's. And so mm-hmm. it was it was. Of course, it's the same story, but it's mm. what it, this movie was based off of. Slightly different. You know, they changed it a little bit, but it was very close. And I could see maybe that a revival on Broadway or something. Imagine more than that would, yeah, them doing a remake. I imagine that would be awesome because really the first two thirds of that movie is almost written like a play. It's one location. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, oh, yeah. you know, yep. it is people in and out, yeah. you know, just like a good play. Um, well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Then they could just, you know, put in another set and throw, put an airplane in the background or something mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. final scene. So. Now all you need is a shadow on the wall. And, you know. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I, I, I wouldn't want to see it remade because it's one of those, I think, Mike, you said this. It's as close to a perfect movie mm-hmm. as, it is. As, as, as is out there. And no matter how good your remake is, it's going to be compared and it's not going to measure up, even if you make a great movie to fandom. You are, it's not going to measure up. It's going to be tore down by reviewers, and er, I mean, it's just. And know. it's always going to be compared to this film. Yes, mm-hmm. it, even if it had, and that's no, never stopped true. them. Even if, even if it has in, someone in, like in, Hugh in, Jackman in, in, and but... Ryan Reynolds, you know, it's not going to be the what it's. You know. <laughs> I don't even want to. Now that Mike has said that. Hugh Jackman, I could probably (laughs) see somewhere in there, but Ryan Reynolds. Somewhere right now, a producer went, wait a minute. (laughs) And hopefully somebody went up behind I better get credit for that. I better get credit for that. Yeah, you know, and it's a movie that is, despite that, you know, I mean, it's been released and it there's been lots of different home video releases uh deep blu-ray i think it's a uh, 4k so, is available yeah. as well now so there are a lot of different uh ways you can see it um it's always one of the first movies that's released mm-hmm. in a new format it's <clears> also excuse me. currently um, on hbo max you know if you just want to watch it that's where we, that's where we watched it it was max. awesome 
And we even did it with subtitles. And and as Bobby said, that uh, it is it is uh, going to be released in theaters. Now, I will say um, a few years ago, I think it was for the 70th or 75th anniversary, I saw it as a Fathom Events event, um, a screening in a theater, and it was digitally projected. And I must say that I was a little disappointed. I uh, When the, the film had its 50th anniversary, it was released. And at that time, theaters were still showing things on 35. They were actually projecting 35 millimeter. So this was a first very brand new print, 35 millimeter. I saw it at the Enzian Theater in, our, in Maitland, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. And let me tell you, it was one of the most magical experiences that I've ever had. Um, Mike, you said that uh, Bergman Globe oh, God, yes. watched it, on, mm-hmm. and she does on screen. But when you see her in 35 millimeter, I mean, you fall hard oh, yeah. with her. Um, the smoke that's permeating that from Bogart's cigarette is practically in your face. Like, it's just it's just an experience. I, I hope that people sometime get a chance to see this projected uh, on actual film rather than just digitally projected. Because if it's digitally projected, you might as well just watch it on HBO Max, in my opinion. But... Um, but that's 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 the experience that I had, um, and so it's it's one of my favorite movies. Like I said, Bobby, uh, and you mentioned it. I say I call it a perfect movie, not because it's a perfect movie that everybody can enjoy. Because look, everybody's got their thing. Everybody likes what they like. But there is, n- I can't. When I, I've watched this several times, and there is no place that I can think of that they could have done this better. Nope. Everything just works. And everything works so well. It's it's you couldn't do it any better than this movie has done it. Um, uh, and I think for that, it's awesome. I will say, you know, they didn't do a sequel, but a few years later, when they made To Have and Have Not, based on Hemingway's story, they changed Hemingway's story so that they was in more of a Casablanca type mold. Um, and of course, that one featured Lauren Bacall and. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. So uh, even I, I, I put that on a bigger pedestal than even uh, uh, Casablanca. But yeah, I will admit it's not as perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's, not it's as perfect. also it's a movie that um, in watching it again, I was I, this especially hit me that it has inspired other filmmakers with things. Certainly oh, yeah. watching this, there's a lot of Indiana Jones that is taken right out of Casablanca from the music the music cues, you could tell that the, that was a big part of the inspiration. I think the whole relationship between Indy and, yeah. and Marion, it kind of is similar to, you know, the, the complex relationship that, that Rick has with. Well, even uh, the Delta. streets of Cairo was felt very, you know, felt very <laughs> much like Casablanca, you know, what you saw in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. And certainly the, um, the John Reese Davies character, Sala, is very reminiscent of some of the people that were in maybe an amalgamation of two or three people that were in Rick. Oh, yeah. Very much um, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do have your fez <laughs> You do. <laughs> you're, 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 mm-hmm. you're, 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 you
All right. So a lot of great performances, whether you see it on the big screen, whether you get the Blu-ray, whether you watch it on Turner Classic Movies or HBO Max, however you watch it. If you have not yet seen Casablanca, do so. 80 years. Why haven't you in the 80 years, folks? Come on. It's still it's Valid. still uh-huh. it's still just as magical in my opinion. And and I've seen it maybe eighty times. <laughs> it feels like uh I've seen it a lot. Um let's put it that way. And it never gets old. Never gets old for me. And I hope that, you know, for those people watching, they give it a chance as well. I know there's some people that are like, Oh, black and white movies or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like well, no, the beauty no. of black that, and white. Well you're watching a black and white podcast yeah. right now. The so, beauty too of <laughs> three quarters of one. Yeah. Well, the personally. beauty of two of of not every black and white director got it, but in this case, the director gets it. Is they know how to use the shades of gray. One of the oh, God, one they of had the, to yeah. One of the best things I think in this movie, and it's subtle, but the fact that the spotlight just keeps moving because we get the shots of the of the building with the light on the top. Mm-hmm, but then exactly. when we're but when we're on the ground or he's looking out his balcony, and the light just plays across the buildings not only is it beautifully lit that way but it's a it's a constant reminder that we're being watched mm-hmm. it's a it's consistency too because yeah. a lot of times directors with a director would forget about that mm-hmm. and just play to the scene and that they're in but they played oh yeah we've got to continue this through like this is real life type thing yeah and mm-hmm. that's what made this movie so solid like i said perfect film it is the perfect film. Yeah, we would be here for much longer if we had to list all the great movies that Michael Curtis directed. Um, and then Arthur Edison as the cinematographer is is amazing as well. He did the Maltese Falcon, Frankenstein, a bunch of other stuff. So you've got some really, you know, that's the good thing. This is This is the benefit of the studio system. This is as good as it gets with the studio system. There's a lot of bad things about the studio system, and I'm not saying it should have been broken up or whatever. But man, they were able to produce when they were, they were good, good. They were yeah. And if if good. you if you found <laughs> if you found a one two good. act that worked, <laughs> like these actors work, then those yeah. actors kept on and kept yeah. on, and yeah. Oh, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. All right, so uh, eighty years, wonderful movie. Please. See this movie. It's please, Casablanca. Please, please. Um, and, uh, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back and, uh, get ready to close out the show. Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this Geek Girl is talking about convention do's and don'ts. So we've made it through the start of the year and lots of conventions are happening and will happen all year long. It seems that depending on where you are, there's a con almost every weekend now in different regions of the U.S. and a lot has changed with how people feel comfortable at them. So even if it's your first con or you're a seasoned veteran, let's talk about some con etiquette. First off, even if the con doesn't have a mask rule and someone is wearing a mask, respect their personal space. Ask them for photos if you want one of them in their cosplay. And many cosplayers have been matching their masks to their cosplays and being really creative about it. But remember, just like your choice not to wear one, it's theirs to wear one and respect that. Second, to go along with taking photos of cosplayers, always ask them for a photo. 
If they're eating or doing something that would be a really big hassle to stop, then maybe wait until you see them again to get a photo of them since there's a time and place for everything. Most cons have their schedules online weeks before the event. Use that to your advantage to plan out what you would want to do. I know many like to know what they're going to do or when they're going to be able to grab a bite to eat or when they can just people watch and see all the cool costumes. So use the con schedule being online to your advantage. And yeah, it may change slightly before the con, but you know, they're not always all set in stone, but for the most part, it'll be pretty much the same once you get there. If you enter contests like the costume contest or other events, make sure to check out their webpage early. Many now do pre-registration and do not always have a lot of extra signups at cons. So if you've been working extra hard on that cosplay and you want to be part of the contest, make sure you keep up with it online and how they do their registrations. Also, try to leave some free time to yourself because you may never know what you'll find at con that you'll really enjoy and that you had no idea was even a thing before you got there. And overall, just have fun. You're spending a lot of money to be at the con, so you should enjoy it. Stay hydrated and have fun. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Drew Leiter here, inviting you to join Cletus Jacobs and I as we journey into a new era of the DC Universe, Dawn of the DC. Join us each week as we review comics, television, and movies. There might even be a surprise guest or two along the way. Thanks for your continued support, and we look forward to talking more DC with you. The Earth Station DCU podcast comes out weekly and is part of the ESO Network. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. So let's go wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Dave, thank you so much, my friend. You're very welcome. Anytime. Uh, I love love coming on to, to Earth Station shows. Yeah, Earth Station shows. That's what our network should have been called. The yeah. Earth Station shows. <laughs> so anything you want? A couple of them. So. Exactly. Anything you want to shout out about there? Uh, always check out the rathole.ca for all your uh, board game, tabletop gaming news and reviews. Uh, all of our links at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash the rat hole dot C-A. Awesome. And Mr. Bobby Nash, two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a treat. Oh, yeah. God, it's been nice. Wow. I know. Yeah. Get back in the airlock. <laughs> back in the airlock. It's two weeks to air out the airlock. You know, it gets a little you whiffy this, in there. You thought the cigarette spoke so no. bad? Yeah. You know. yeah. JD and I are in there just puffing away, you know. Um, and you got to be careful. If you open up the wrong door. It airs out quick. <laughs> mm, exactly. Uh, so yeah. It's like trying no. to open a window on an airplane. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, it, this was fun. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Like I said, I love this movie. So thrilled to be able to come chat with you guys about it. Anyone thing you want to shout out about? Um, 
I wish I had it handy where I could grab it. Uh, in the mail today, I got my copy of the Kolchak 50th anniversary anthology that I wrote a story for. And oh my God, this book is gorgeous. And just a big shout out to James and Moonstone and all the folks that worked on it. It's if you're a Kolchak fan, it's worth tracking. It's available in paperback and hardcover. It's worth tracking it down if you're a Kolchak fan. Beautiful book. Awesome. 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 All right. Definitely. I saw the pictures of it on Facebook. It looks fantastic. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's two different covers. There's a Jerry Ordway covers on one, and there's a uh, J.K. Woodward, who did a lot of the Star Trek and Star Trek Dr. Who stuff, who mm-hmm. does, does a Kolchak cover that's an homage to a Batman cover. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. It's the one where, uh, like, it's, all, it's a locked room mystery because Batman is at the far end, and there's all these walls with doors. And mm-hmm. so they, they made that one with Kolchak. Like even the Kolchak logo is in like a bat symbol. Oh, uh, that is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So that is very cool, sir. And you know what? I wish that Mark Maddox could have done one of those covers for that. It would have been awesome. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, sorry not to. Uh, James Palmer just shared uh, a couple days ago. Mark, oh, Mark yes. did the cover for League of Monsters. <laughs> Um, I have a story in that one as well. And mm-hmm. oh, beautiful cover that Mark Mark did. Mark kinda, Maddox does everything I right. What I kind of you know? laughed when I saw Nobody it. Nobody tell him I said right. that, though. Nobody tell probably, him I said that. Probably noticed this. Like, wow, the vampire looks so familiar. Because, you know, Mark uses, he does, takes a lot of photos. And it's like Mark modeled him the, the vampire after himself. <laughs> Oh, dude! When, no doubting that that's Mark Maddox. When, when Mark Maddox lived here, him and I, I used to have to do f- photographs of him and mm-hmm. stuff because he wanted to mo- do models of for stuff for his drawings and everything. We used to be taking pictures of his hand in different positions mm-hmm. for different drawings because he used to suck at drawing hands. He said so. We needed to base it off a photograph and everything. I think that yeah, that was great. Like he told me once, he was doing something for Doctor Who magazine, and he was doing a Tom Baker Doctor image and he's mm-hmm. like for as long as he was the doctor of promotional shots of him there's like four and everybody does yeah. those same four poses so i'm going to do something else and so he went out and like had someone dress up took photos and oh, then yeah. just used tom's face for yeah so he could come up with new poses that hadn't been used by everybody and i thought that was brilliant oh yeah it's There's a reason he keeps winning all those damn awards. You think? Damn, Mark Maddox. All right. <laughs> now this is turning into a bash session. Yeah. Mr. Don't Mike. do it from love, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. So any Mark Maddox bashing you want to do? No. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I'll pass this round. Uh, as far as bashing Maddox. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's something we do year round. So, um, so I'll wait till he's on. Next here. week, the Mark, the Mark <laughs> Maddox roast here on ESO. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But Michelle and I over the weekend saw two great bands that uh, I was unfamiliar with as uh, up until last week. Um, one of them is a local band to Atlanta. It's a Celtic rock. They, they perform Celtic folk rock uh, kind of things. And they're called the Muckers. They are very, very, very good. It was very fun, very much a uh, great atmosphere that they provided when they opened the, the show. And then we got to see Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. And let There's me tell you, 
<laughs> they blew me away. And uh, yeah, there's only three of them. So the band itself, number wise, is not big. Um, but they provide a big sound. Reverend Peyton himself, uh, the main guitarist, is phenomenal. He is so skilled at uh, at playing the guitar, blues, uh, country, uh, rockabilly, hillbilly, whatever you want to call it. Like it's all mixed in this one fun package. And it was a great night. I had never heard of either one of these bands, but I definitely hope that it's not the last time I see them because they were both amazing. Oh, Reverend Peyton is just amazing to see. We've seen him probably like six or seven times. And each time he blows the roof out of the place. And it's like you said, their sound is so big, but it's just three of them up there. And it's just awesome. Yeah, And it's, it's amazing. And the different styles of guitars he has and, the different, you know, the washboard and everything. It's just, it's a ton of fun. It is a ton of fun. It's a unique experience that I encourage everybody to to take part mm-hmm. in. The wrong they're end of they're the really fun. <laughs> they're, they're so fun. They come up your way, dude. Uh, they do. And, and and very positive, too. Oh, very um, much so. You know, they, they may sing the blues, but um, they're very positive and very fun. Smiles all around. Oh, yeah. Very much so. And speaking of smiles, I've been watching a new show that I've, you know, it doesn't put a smile on my face, but it's awesome. We are watching The Last of Us, folks. We've started, and it is beyond amazing. Um, the first two episodes are gasp-worthy, are amazing. It's it's just awesome. And we have not seen the third one yet, but everyone's telling me that's even it gets even better. So a show that does that to you, it's just awesome. I haven't seen it yet, but I do understand because they film it here that Dragon Con fans will will notice a few of the locations. So same and the thing rest like of it was f- filmed in Alberta right around me. Of course. So there you <laughs> I go. Got a ton of friends that worked on that show. So it's constantly in my feet of, oh, look, there's where there's my business and there's that thing that I did. And yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That's cool. It's awesome when you could do stuff like that. And the show was, it was just a ton of, it's on, you know, it's just, I can't even say how good it is because it's beyond words how good the show is. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about it in depth. Oh, very much in so. In a later episode. Oh, very much so. And you know what? I think, you know, so far I will go out and say this. It's my favorite new show of 2023 so far. And I know last week we talked about Poker Face, but, you know, this, is even more so this is more like jaw dropping and stuff so this will not be the last of us chatting about this no this will not be the last of us so hopefully not but you know as we always like to say it's always great to talk to you guys at home we love you guys and as always thanks for listening to the earth station one podcast we couldn't do this without you we want to hear from you so please write us anytime feedback at earthstation1.com Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever podcasts are found. Now, Earth Station One can also be found in video format on YouTube. Please subscribe and like. Thumbs up, of course. Tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Favor, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Mr. Dave Chapman, and the one and only Bobby Nash. Thank you all much for joining us. We will see you here next time on Earth Station One. Be safe. Hug your loved ones. And you know what? Here's looking at you, kid. Oh, wait, sorry, I was supposed to. Exactly, drink. <laughs> drink. <laughs> right. Drink. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.